<laughs> well, you know, we started last week with a new series called Living in God's Will. And uh, I, like I told you, I started to take a few weeks and just teach on Thanksgiving only for the next couple of, uh, of weeks. And then I went to this scripture and uh, the Lord gave me these three things to focus on. And um, matter of fact, let's just go ahead and go there now. Go to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 16. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16. He says, um, oh, let joy be your continual feast. Let joy be your, not sometime feast, but always feed on joy. King James Version says, I think is rejoice evermore. God wants you full of joy. The believers should be the most joyful people on the planet. And you know, we, we've been given so much and done so much. And so, and if you'll remember about these three verses, uh, the Expositor's Bible said these were the, the, the standing orders for the Christian church. He says, so in verse 617, make your life a prayer. Make your life a prayer. Verse 18, and in the midst of everything, always, be always giving thanks for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. King James version of that says this is God's will for you. So if a lot of people go, they go around, I just want to do God's will. I want to make sure I stay in the will of God and I want to always be in the will of God. Well, if you walk this out, you will always be in the will of God. It's God's will for you. First, he said, be full of joy. How often? Always. It didn't say every circumstance is going to be happy. Happy is temporary, folks. Happy depends on circumstances. Come on. Happy comes from the word happenstance. So it comes from a circumstance that is happening at the moment. That's what happens. But joy is something from way down in here that when you understand who your God is, you understand that, that you serve an unbelievable, amazing, awesome, the one we sing about today, that it just all of a sudden, it floods me with joy that I have a hard time even being depressed anymore. Well, you should be tore up. Your life's going to hell in a handbasket. I know I should be. All hell's broke loose against me, but I just can't. I just can't. I've got something else going on for me. I've got God at working in the middle. So today what we're going to focus on is verse 17. Make your life a prayer. I think King James Version says, at all, pray at all times or pray without ceasing. I can't remember off the top of my head. Pray without ceasing. Thank you. But I like the way that the passion puts it here is make your life a prayer. So yeah, we're going to talk about prayer today, but folks, we're not going to talk about it in probably the way you think. Because we, you know, we could get into prayer and, and let me tell you something. The church has got asking God for things down pat. <laughs> we know how to ask God for stuff. But, but does that mean we're living in prayer? Just asking God, and, and, and that's what we've negated prayer to. We've made prayer all about asking God for something. Folks, you understand that prayer is one of the most powerful forces in your life? Well, I don't know about all that. <laughs> and, 
and there's so many people here today, not, not necessarily here, I'm talking about here as a planet, that don't know how to pray because we've negated it. And it's either by teaching, by bad teaching, or, or, or by ignorance that we've come to believe that, that prayer is just re- reserved for this time of pleading God and just asking God and getting on our face and sweating and, and, and we've made little acronyms like PUSH. Anybody ever heard that one? Pray until something happens. You'll find I'm not real big on the cheesy acronyms. Because we've made prayer about work. And prayer is never supposed to be about work. It's supposed to be a lifestyle that goes along with joy. It's not just this time of please God, please God, please God. I think this is on your screen, I don't know, but Webster defines prayer as as this. Webster defines prayer as a solemn address to the supreme being, consisting of adoration, expression of our sense of of, of God's glorious perfections, confession of our sins, supplications for mercy and forgiveness, intercession for the blessings of, thank you, of others, and thanksgiving, or an expression of gratitude to God for his mercies and benefits. Now, I love that definition because in that definition, asking for God something, the supplications is about this much, while the rest of the definition is all about how we live in relationship to God. Prayer is not about just asking God for a bunch of things. It's about a a lifestyle where we live in a relationship with God. And when we come before God, let me ask you, does our prayers sound like this? Are our prayers consisting of adoration? When's the last time you just sat down and just told God how much you adored him? You didn't ask him for anything. When's the last time we just sat down with God and just began to express about his glorious perfections? When's the last time that we just came before God and confessed our sin? We know Jesus has taken care of the sin problem, but that don't mean I don't still pick it up, Kevin. People act like confession's a bad thing anymore. When's the last time we just came before God and just began to ask him for forgiveness? Well, he's already forgiven me. He has, but that doesn't doesn't mean I can't repent and always remind myself of that forgiveness. When's the last time we came before God and instead of our intercession being about trying to change a world system, uh uh-oh, that intercession actually became about blessing other people. I I love Webster's uh, definition here. It's intercessions of blessing of others. Not God tear down the enemy's camp. God destroy this, God destroy that. See, these are all prayers 
that you should just be declaring as done, not expecting God to continue to do. Got to remember, we serve a defeated foe. <laughs> When's the last time our prayer life just began a time of thanksgiving? Where all we did, we got so wrapped up in giving God thanks that our problems looked so minuscule we forgot to even ask for them. This is a lifestyle of prayer. You can live this every day. This is when you're just so aware of God's presence that you're always thanking him. You're always giving praise. You're always thanking him for his perfection. You're always trying to bless somebody else. And and he's, oh yeah, by the way, I do have this need, but you're so perfect. You already knew I had this need before I even asked for it. So I just come before you and I thank you for that. You always said that you would meet all my needs according to your riches and glory. And I thank you, Lord, that I'm not expecting the world's riches to meet my needs because you said they're already laid up for the just so those riches are already ours when prayer looks like a lifestyle of this my goodness what's not available did you know that in the new testament i tried to do my best to do this and i'm sure i missed some but i went and counted the word prayer in the new testament this week And do you know that only eight times is it used differently than the definition I'm gonna give you here in a few minutes? Six times when the word prayer, not the word pray, but the word prayer. Six times when it's used, it's talking about asking God for something. In one of the times, it's making a vow before God and, and one time it's used as supplications. So it's a total of eight if you was keeping track. Eight times in the New Testament is the word prayer used about just asking God for something somehow. So what does prayer mean? Thayer's uh, lexicon defines prayer as this. It is a place set apart for the offering of prayer. And that's that's the part where we, we live this thing out. Prayer is not a bunch of words, prayer is a place. Prayer is a place. Where is that place? Well, we'll look at that in a minute. It, it's, uh, do I have that rest? Yeah, it's a synagogue. It meant a synagogue. It is a place in the open air where the Jews were wont to pray outside of the cities where they had no synagogue. See, God was preparing them when he went into prayer. He was preparing them for the time when they didn't have a building to come in and they had to be the place of prayer. Where their home, this thing right here that you live in is the place of prayer. Jesus said, my house is to be a place of prayer. Remember that? Well, guess what it says? He says, I live in you. 
and you live in me. So if he lives in us, then his house ought to be a place of prayer. It's not determined on a building. It's not determined on a situation. It's determined on a lifestyle. You are the place of prayer that God has set apart to enjoy communion and relationship with. It's not a bunch of words. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. He says, have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple? There's nothing sacred about where you're sitting right now, other than the fact where you're sitting. You didn't come to church this morning. You came to a building that if we closed it down today, they would turn it into a bar, they'd turn it into something else. Well, that's just holy. There's nothing holy about this building. This is not the place of prayer. This is a place where we will gather to have prayer, but the place of prayer is you. Now you are the sacred temple. You are the temple of God. We're not trying to go to temple anymore. God came to temple and he stayed there. No, you're not. Have you forgotten that your body is the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? So where does God live? in you. And he said, my house will be a place of prayer. (laughs) You don't belong to yourself any longer. For you are the gift of God. The Holy Spirit lives inside your sanctuary. I bet our prayers would be different when we realize See, we come before God and we ask him for things like he somehow doesn't know. God, in case you didn't know, I'm sick. In case you didn't know, I'm broke. God, in case you didn't know, I'm dealing with this. And in case, how can he not know when he lives in you? So when we go before God, we don't have to ask him like he's trying to get, in case I forgot. He can't forget about you because he bought you, he paid for you, he moved into you, he belonged, you belong to him now, you're his. So when we do this and we enter into prayer, it's not that we're having to ask God for something that he doesn't know about. We thank God that he has brought in everything that we need. How many of you know that God has everything you need? And he lives where? So where's everything you need? It says nothing to do. Well, you're saying I'm just, no, don't, don't read into things. It's only in you because he's in you. Prayer is being able. We talked about this last week and we're gonna focus on it even more. Prayer is being able to get into that secret place You are the secret place. It's about getting into that secret place and realizing you're not alone there anymore. I don't care if you ever feel alone, you're not alone. Prayer is about getting into that secret place and realizing you're not alone there anymore. And and, and it's, it's learning how 
excuse me, it's learning how to hear the voice of God and enjoy fellowship with him. It's learning to hear, and I told you a few weeks ago, I'm, I'm working on a series on hearing the voice of God. But this is what prayer is. Prayer is really about hearing his voice and then declaring along the lines of what he speaks. Go to Matthew chapter six, verse nine, because you are the living temple. You are God's living temple. Matthew chapter six, verse six. He says this, he says, but whenever you pray, go into your innermost chamber alone with Father God and pray to him in secret. Well, where's your innermost chamber? See, we've, we've made movies, we've done all this stuff. And I'm not down on the movie, so please, if it's one of your favorites, good for you. But we've made movies, war rooms. And we've made movies about going into your prayer. You are a prayer closet. Your war room, your secret chamber is in you because you're going to talk to the Father from inside of you. Folks, we have to understand, we don't serve a God that's out there. You serve a God that's in here and out there and in there and over here. You serve a God that is everywhere and he has loved you so much that he moved into you. So Matthew, when, when Jesus said, you go to your secret chamber, where's your secret chamber? It's in you. I don't know how many times I've had people come to me and tell me, I just can't wait to get home. Why? I got to get in my prayer closet. Like you can't pray other than your place in your prayer closet. You are a prayer closet. This is a lifestyle, folks. He said, pray to your father in secret. In other words, you don't need this loud, sometimes obnoxious. <laughs> Come on, you ever been around those prayers? <laughs> Jeff has, he's the only one that's going, he's the only one brave enough to agree with me in here today. You know those prayers that they're just obnoxious in their prayers? Oh, I'm going to show you something here in a minute. And they pray. I tell you, I started to give you a quote from a movie, but I decided not to. Because some of you tried to figure out what movie you watched. Then you judge me because I saw the movie. So, <laughs> If you want to know, you can ask me after service. Ah. Well, let's just go on before I get myself in more trouble. He said, Father God, pray to him in secret, and your Father, who sees all you do, so you're not going to surprise God. He knows you're broke. He knows when you sin, and he don't jump out. Come on. How can he be with me always if he decides to get off the boat every now and then? Oh, I see where you're going. I'm just going to stand over here. Come on. Oh. Your father sees all you do and will reward you openly. When you pray, now here's where I wanted to go with that obnoxious prayers. When you pray, there's no need to repeat empty phrases. King James Version says, use not vain repetition. 
as the heathen do, for they think they are heard for their much speaking. Isn't it funny how we think God can't hear us unless we pray 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 minutes a day? Well, I've got to pray more. I've got to pray. It's prayer is not about how long you pray. It's not about how many words you use or how many times you repeat the same thing over and over again. It's not about that. You can say more and accomplish more in a 30-second prayer when you understand who's inside of you and you are a temple of God than you can for somebody who decided to lay and scream and roll and flip and flop and do everything for an hour and a half. And I'm not, I'm not afraid, I'm not a, there's nothing wrong with praying for an hour and a half. Good. Go for it. But your hour and a half prayer is no more effective than Larry's 30 second prayer. Yes, it is. So God loves you more than he loves Larry. Because you knew a lot more words. I told you this to get me in trouble. Prayer's a lifestyle. It's knowing that God's in you and that he sees everything you're going through and he understands. And when my prayers become about gratitude, become about expressions of his glory, become about expression, all of a sudden, my problems that I thought were here, all of a sudden, they look down here because standing in light of who lives inside of me, my problems are minuscule. Oh yeah, by the way, Papa, I got this little thing over here. Well, why don't it ever look little? Because you're focused more on that than you are on the person inside. So when you stand praying, I think a lot of people lose the lose this scripture. Like I said, if you want the King James Version, it says, when you pray, use not vain repetitions. As the heathen do, for they think they are heard for their much speaking. They were convinced that the more words they said, the more God heard them. Back to the passion. And when you pray, there's no need to, you, to repeat empty phrases praying like those who don't know God. For they expect God to hear them because of their many words. I'm telling you, this should relieve some, some guilt off some of you who feel like you're not praying enough. There's no checklist. 15 minutes gets us this much done. 10, 20 minutes gets this much done. 30 minutes gets this much done. Man, if I can make that hour. And we look at somebody who can pray an hour. Who can pray three hours or four hours at one time? We think, oh, if I could just be like that. How about you just realize the God that's in you? And when you speak to him, you're doing as much communication with him as the person who is taking the three hours. I'm not opposed to three-hour prayers. Please understand that. But what I am opposed to is people trying to make other people feel guilty. Because they ain't praying three hours. Still digging a hole? Okay. Verse eight, there's no need to imitate them. Here, prayer, prayers, everybody should look at me right there because you're all prayers. There's no need to imitate. My prayer life doesn't have to look like Bill's. 
and Bill's prayer life doesn't have to look like mine. There's no cookie cutter. Everybody should look like that. That's your prayer life. Everybody should look like that. Not according to God, not according to Jesus. It was actually written in red in most Bibles. There's no need to imitate them since your father already knows what you need before you ask him. Pray like this. Our father dwelling in the heavenly realms. Well, where's the heavenly realms? He looked at the Pharisees and said, the kingdom of heaven is in you. Well, that word in means in the midst of. No, it doesn't. That word in there is, is in the Greek it's in, which means a fixed place. The kingdom of heaven is in a fixed place. Where is that fixed place? In you. Does that mean I don't go to heaven when I die? I didn't say that. But we've got to get past the point where we think the kingdom is there and understand that the kingdom is here. <laughs> okay. Pray like this, our Father dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. As the world turns, there is Jesus. And when we live our life in that point where he is the center and I'm spending more time in, 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 in praising him, I'm spending more time adoring him, I'm spending more time realizing who I am in him and I'm getting lost in him and all of a sudden, oh yeah, I've got this little thing going on over here, God. He said, okay, I'll take care of that for you too. Life is a prayer. Prayer is a place and you are that place. First Corinthians chapter three. I'm telling you, some of you should be free right now. I just feel guilty. I can't pray like that. Don't feel guilty anymore. Accomplish great things. Pray. How long? I don't care. God doesn't care. But how long? Without ceasing. Your whole life is a prayer. I'm always, it's always a prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 from the message, he says, you realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God. So important, he had to put it in a couple places. And God himself is present in you. No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. He's not talking about tattoos there either. <laughs> Just throwing that out there in case somebody needed to know. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred, and you, remember, are the temple. God's temple is sacred. So what does that make you? Sacred. That's what God says about you. You are sacred. We're so worried about what the church looks like. We're so worried about carpet and paint colors and what's hanging on the walls this thing is not sacred you are you are the temple the house of God and his house will be a place of prayer so pray it's an ongoing conversation have that conversation with God you are always in church <laughs> well, let me rephrase that you are always at church and God is always in church. Come on. The whole story of creation 
is about God wanting this relationship with his temple. He created man for this relationship. We are created for this. But what we've done with prayer is we've reduced it down to our own voice. Throwing words into the night sky and hoping something sticks. And when it don't stick or we think it don't stick, then we think, well, prayer doesn't work. Well, maybe it's because we're not living this lifestyle of prayer. We have to learn to let his voice echo within the hall. You know, I really don't like this building. I've told some of you know that. Perry don't like it either. For Jess don't like it either. You say, well, why? Because for sound, this thing's horrible. You've got a big, big giant parabolic mic. And if I stand over here and have a conversation with Bob, Pat back here is going to hear it. Why? Because it's, it's just the way this is. And then the Holy Spirit said to me this week, he said, you know the echo that's in there? I said, yeah. He said, imagine if people would let my voice echo in the hearts of their own spirits when I speak, that they just continue to hear the reverberation of my voice. So I'm not going to complain about this anymore. (laughs) All prayer is conversation with God. And it happens all the time. Anybody ever here ever got tired of talking to your spouse? Don't raise your hand. Don't get, don't you dare get yourself in trouble. I'm not having fights in the church. <laughs> Dee and I have been married, I think we're going on 26 years. Don't tell her I said that, I think. <laughs> you know what? We talk all the time. We, Sydney's going, it's like, we don't ever get tired of talking to each other. Well, don't you know every story told? Yeah, we've heard them all. We've heard them all a thousand times. I'll tell my kids a story. You've told us that. Well, you know what? I just like talking to you. But you'll understand that because you don't get tired of that relationship because there's such a love and there's such an intimacy there that it's constant talk. I don't think Dee and I have quiet time. I'm a person that doesn't really need quiet time anyhow. She, on the other hand, is. Too bad she married me. She doesn't get it. (laughs) But what she does get is get up early in the morning when it's just her and God. So she can hear his voice echo in the chambers of her heart. So how do we do this? Well, you have to learn to speak God's language. A lot of us don't know how to speak God's language. And so in our conversations with God, the first thing you need to understand, one way, as Brother Hagin used to tell us, but not the only way that God speaks is through the Bible. If you never pick up the Word of God, and we know that Jesus is the Word, we know that he speaks, and I'm going to cover all that in a minute. But if you, never, if you don't have a diet of your Bible, you're missing out on a great conversation with God. That's one way. That's not the only word of God. Understand that. She gave us a word today. That was a word from God. Come on, go with me here. You say, well, the Bible's not the word of God. Didn't say that. 
I said, if you're not reading it, you're missing a great conversation. Conversations are filled with what? Thank you. Words. So he speaks. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're talking about speaking God's language now. He speaks through the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 from the, the Living Bible. He says, the whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God. Well, I just need some inspiration from God. Got something great for you. Either put it on your phone, put it on an iPad, put it, if you got a paper Bible, use it. You want inspiration? The whole Bible's inspired. Mm. You want to have a good conversation with God? Read. I had somebody actually tell me one time, I don't need the Bible. Well, good for you. And her statement was, oh, I read after this person, I read after that person, I read after this person. They wanted to replace man's word, who I'm sure those men and women of God, they hear from God to write books. Ted wrote a book, he heard from God. And the word of God can come from reading those books. But if you're not reading the, the, the Bible, the scriptures, then you're missing a great conversation. You're missing a great conversation. And a lot of people don't ever hear from God is because they don't take time to speak his language. I can't tell you the amount of times that I have sat down, I've opened up the Bible and I thought, huh, that's exactly what I'm going through right now. And God begins to speak to me in his words. So he says, the whole Bible is given by inspiration of God and is useful to teach us. The Bible is useful. One way, but not the only way that God speaks is through the Bible. It's, 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 it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and it helps us do what's right. Verse 17, it is God's way of making us well prepared at every point, fully mature. Well, I don't ever read my Bible. It shows some maturity. Because he says here that the word, the Bible, helps make you fully matured. Folks, you will never grow to the point where you've moved past the Word of God, the Bible. And that's not real popular in a lot of circles. Now, I'm not discounting other things, but if you ever grow past it, then we will, all right, going on. He said, it is God's way of making us well-prepared at every point, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. The Bible helps you fulfill the assignments that God gives you. Folks, so one way, but not the only way, I just keep hearing Brother Hagin say that in my head, that God speaks to you is through the Bible. Another way he speaks to you is he whispers. I just can't hear God, because you're not speaking his language. God is multilingual. He speaks through the Bible. And then sometimes he just whispers. Remember the story of Elijah? He, you know, what's her face? Chased him plumb out of town. What's her name? Jezebel, thank you. <laughs> Left me that fast. 
She chased him out of town. And he goes and hides and he hides in a cave and here comes a fire. He's not, God's not there. Here comes a big strong wind. God's not there. And then it says there's a still small voice. Sometimes you need, so, see, we've, we've, we, uh, we've let Jiminy Cricket take God's place. You remember, remember, remember what Jiminy Cricket was, don't you? He was Pinocchio's what? Conscience. God speaks to you and sometimes it even sounds like your own voice. Why? Because it's echoing through the sanctuary of your life. And so sometimes he just whispers. Again, in this room, I can whisper over here. And Matt will hear it back there. He might not understand it all, but if he tunes his ear just right. Mm. Elijah said he was in a still small voice. I, I, I found a scripture this week and I want to share it with you. Isaiah 30, and I'm sure I've read it a hundred times, well, I don't know if a hundred times, but I've read through the Bible a lot, but I've never read it from the voice. Isaiah 30, verse 21. In your ears, you will hear sweet words behind you. Go this way. There is your path. This is how you should go. Whenever you must decide whether to turn right or turn to the left. God's not screaming, over here, dummy. See, some of us have really hurt our children in hearing from God. Bear me, hear me out, parents, or soon-to-be parents, or if you're a parent right now. Should I even get into this mud hole? You're so deep already, <laughs> We've taught our kids that the only time authority is serious is when we're yelling. We're screaming. When, when dad's ears are red, or mom's got that vein crossed her forehead, serious. And we've taught them that when God, the ultimate authority speaks, that they have trouble hearing him in the whisper. Sometimes he doesn't yell. Sometimes he says, you'll hear a sweet word behind you in your ear. Turn this way. This is your path. This is the way to go. See, we don't hear his, we don't speak the same language of God because we think he only speaks loud or when he's mad. Then there's those other times when you can't miss God's word. You can't miss what he's saying. It is as clear and as plain as the nose on your face. Psalms 29, verse 3. Psalms 29, verse 3. From the Passion Translation, he says, The voice of the Lord echoes through the skies and the seas. Sometimes you can't miss it. Sometimes he whispers, and then there's those times, Linda, you can't miss it. He echoes in the sky. He says, the glory of God reigns as he what? Thunders in the clouds. So powerful is his voice, so brilliant and bright. How majestic as he thunders over the great waters. His tympanic thunder topples the strongest of trees. Anybody know what tympanic means? It's like a drum. I got one drumming over here. The, the, inside your ear, is, it, it's, the, it's the tympanic bone. It's where your eardrum is stretched. Even you were created to hear God. 
He says his tympanic thunder topples the strongest trees. Listen how powerful his voice is. His symphonic sound splinters the mighty forest. How he moves Zion's mountains by the might of his voice. Sometimes he whispers and sometimes there is no question whatsoever, Sandy, what he's saying. Because he is loud. Oh, I love this. Shaking the snowy peaks with his ear-splitting sound, the lightning fire flashes, strikes as he speaks. God reveals himself and makes the fault lines quake, shaking deserts, speaking his voice. God's mighty voice makes the deer give birth. His thunderbolt voice lays the forest bare. In his temple, all fall before him, with each one shouting, glory, glory, the God of glory. This is a different prayer. This is a life of prayer. This is understanding who I am. Sometimes we just got to allow God to speak. How, how, how do I allow God to speak? You get in the word, you listen for him to whisper, or you might have to listen for him to shout. Or it may come through the prophetic word of another. Oh, come on, prophetic words are real. Sometimes it'll come in quiet meditation. Meditate, everybody say it, meditation. It's not a bad word. That's not some weird thing. It's in the Bible a lot. Some of you need to practice it. It's sitting there. But see, we've trained ourselves to be so full of noise. I jump onto my daughter all the time. That's what you get for sitting up front. <laughs> she goes to sleep with a TV on. I can't stand that. I, I end up dreaming whatever's on the TV. <laughs> I do, it's crazy. But I tell you what you should do is every night you lay down, and this is my prayer every time I go to sleep, speak to me in a visitation, in a dream. Wake me up. See, God can speak to you any way he wants to. Your whole existence was designed to have communication with God. Even in your dreams. Even in natural circumstance. Well, that's just circumstantial. That's just a coincidence. What's, what's a coincidence? Doors that open you thought would never open. Doors closed that you thought would never close. It's provision that comes when you thought you could give. See, this is God speaking to you. Albert Einstein, and I think I put this up, Bobby. Albert Einstein said this. He said, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Coincidence See, when we come to a place where we understand that our whole life is a prayer, we see God in everything. You know what the church's problem is, though, Missy? We've looked for the devil in everything. We've spent more time looking for the devil so we can avoid him than we have finding God in everything. Come on. <laughs> Isaiah 43 Verse 18, 
Coincidence is God's way of remaining nameless, uh, anonymous. I love Isaiah 43. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert. See, when you live a life of prayer, you live a life in a place where this is what you're looking for at all times. All right, real quick, let's end this thing. Prayer is all about knowing your Papa's voice. Prayer is all about knowing Papa's voice. John chapter 10, verse 27, we all know this one. My sheep hear my voice and I know each one and they will follow me. My sheep, well I don't know the voice of God. He speaks through his word, through the Bible. He speaks through others. He speaks through coincidence. He speaks through nature. Sometimes he whispers, sometimes he shout. Folks, you are designed. Your whole makeup is designed. From the time he created Adam and breathed in his nostrils and he became a speaking spirit, he designed humanity to hear God. You're designed to have this communication with God. So how do you do it? Read the word. Sit down and quietly meditate. Shut everything else off. I'm telling you, one of the biggest things I want to do in my life, and it, it's, it's, it's possible, I mean, I may do it this year coming. Has anybody ever heard of a sensory deprivation tank? It's filled with so much salt water that you float and you get in this t egg looking thing and inside there you can't hear you can't see you're floating so you have no sense of your own body <laughs> and, and, and they warm that water up to, to, to body temperature so you don't even feel it Imagine an hour going in there and saying, okay, God, nothing else of me matters in this place now. What do you have to say? Our problem is we let everything else get in our way and we don't live this lifestyle of prayer. We have times of prayer. But I'm telling you, this lifestyle is direct communication with the Almighty, and you were created for it. You hear from God. You don't need me to hear from God for you. If I hear from God for you, it should just confirm what God's already said to you. And that goes for anybody, but it should confirm. Amen? Uh, before we pray, uh, I want to ask Sierra and Kevin to come up here. Give me the name again. Caden. I almost said something else, but. Cade. Huh? No N. See, I told you I got it wrong and they didn't even tell it to me. 
We're going to pray for Cade. Is it okay if I tell him what's going on? Cade has only gained six ounces since he was born? In the last two months. In the last two months. And he's followed, they said, they've told them that he's fallen behind on all of his scales and everything like that. But I mean, you know, that has nothing for God. And so they came today because we're going to pray for Cade because they're going to Columbus tomorrow. Mm -hmm. All right. So good doctors, good nurses, greater physician. (laughs) Amen. So if you will, just stretch your hands this way. Father, we just pray right now over Cade. We declare health and we declare healing. Father, I thank you that every system, his immune system, his, his endocrine system, oh, his respiratory system, his liver, his kidneys, his stomach, his heart, his lungs, down to every atom that creates every cell be infused with the glory and the power and the presence of God in his life right now. I pray for mom and dad for peace over them, for strength over them. I thank you, Lord, that health and healing comes. Father, we thank you for a good report. Father, whether that reports tomorrow or next week, I thank you for a good report because you love Cade more than even mom and dad does. Oh, thank you, Lord. And I speak over him now in Jesus' name. And I command you, body, just do what you're supposed to do because you were created to do it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Thank you guys for allowing us to pray. Reese, are we still live? Facebook, if you're watching, thank you for being here. Uh, if you're wanting to give, you can give online. Uh, just look in the thing, it's on there. You can go to hcfcambridge.com. And if you have a prayer request, go to hcfcambridge.com. Shoot me an email or leave it in the, in the comments of our Facebook Live. We want to pray for you and uh, we'll uh, see you soon. We love you.